0: Good afternoon. I'm Al Cresta. The question of gender identity is divisive, controversial, often painful. How should parents respond to sons and daughters desiring to change their gender? Will the Church remain free to teach that we're created male and female? What, in fact, do the sciences say about this? We're going to explore these questions and more at our annual Familiaris Consortio conference coming up on Saturday, March second, beginning at eight fifteen in the morning and running till noon, uh, this is being hosted by Father Gabriel Richard High School, and the president of uh, Father Gabriel Richard High School joins me right now, Joe Giordano. Good to see you, Joe. Good to see you, Al. Thanks for having us. And we're also going to be joined by Dr. Paul Hrusz, an academic pediatric endocrinologist, a tenured physician scientist with faculty appointments in both pediatrics and cellular biology and physiology. Uh, He has over 25 years of clinical experience in caring for children with disorders of sexual development. He's received certification in healthcare ethics from the National Catholic Bioethics Center and has served as a consultant for the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops and has authored over 65 peer-reviewed manuscripts, scientific reviews, and book chapters. And most importantly, together with his wife, Anne, They've raised five children in St. Louis. Dr. Hoos, good to have you with me. Thanks.
1: My pleasure to be here.
0: Well, Joe, uh, let's start with you. Uh, Tell us a little bit about the overall picture, what we're doing on Saturday, March 2nd.
2: Yeah, so um, as we were trying to prayerfully discern what would be a topic that would be helpful to our community, especially you know, parents of, of Father Gabriel Shard High School and the surrounding community. This topic just seemed so pressing. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And um we were just so blessed to have uh three speakers come that are just top of their field yeah. in, in each of these respective categories. So um, as you mentioned, we'll have John Bursch who recently wrote this book, Loving God's Children, The Church and Gender Ideology. Yep. I think you had him on a few weeks yeah. ago. Yeah, outstanding. Uh, couldn't recommend his book more. Yep. Such a helpful tool, so well written and easily accessible. You know, you'd think it's obviously a, a pretty heady topic. Yeah. Um, but he covers, it's super well researched in terms of the theology and the science and yeah. the uh, socio- uh, societal factors sure. that have contributed to where we are today. So we'll have him, we'll have Dr. Hrews um, tackle the uh, the scientific and medical reasons why this is such a bad idea. And then we have Father Sean Kilcali from uh, Diocese of Lincoln coming to speak with us. And um, he has um, a degree, a master's degree from, in addition to obviously being a priest, he has a master's degree from the JP2 Institute, uh, Marriage and Family, and a lot of experience ministering to people who um, suffer from same-sex attraction, um, have had marital issues, um, struggled from uh, gender dysphoria. So it's going to be an all-star lineup, and I hope everyone can join us. And it's free. Absolutely. Yeah. absolutely.
0: And there's a light breakfast involved, too. So show up at 815, you'll be able to have breakfast, and then join us as we begin uh, the presentations. We'll be out of there by noon. We try to ride that pretty hard. Uh, Dr. Cruz, again, thank you for joining me today. Let me just ask, is this fundamentally an issue of the sciences, or is it fundamentally an issue of theology, or is it more broadly an issue of worldview?
1: Well, I I think the answer to that question is it encompasses all of those areas, and and really when we think about sexual identity and and really understand who we are as a human person— what we can learn uh, from our faith, uh, and what we can learn you know, from science, really go hand in hand. But they they really cover different dimensions, and and certainly many of the questions that are being asked in the scientific realm uh, really are are in concert with many of the concerns that have been raised by the church in this area, uh, specifically, you know, what it means to be a man, what it means to be a woman, mm-hmm. and what is the biological underpinnings uh, that are important in understanding that question, not only. Uh, in general, but also in addressing this problem of individuals that have uh, gender dysphoria uh,
0: we're also the impression we get uh, especially from activists uh, in this field, is that the sciences all speak with a common voice here, and that uh, if one uh, resists the uh, inclination, to provide so-called gender-affirming care or to help uh, uh, an adolescent towards, quote, transition. Uh, if we resist, then somehow we're resisting the science. Are the sciences that clear on it?
1: Actually, quite to the contrary. And again, you know, that message is quite prevalent, and that's what most people hear, and it's been repeated over and over again, and, and really, you know, uh, underlying a, a specific ideology uh, really, where the science is at, particularly in addressing this question in uh, affected children, uh, remains very poorly understood. And I think for many years, uh, the many concerns that myself and, and my colleagues have raised uh, in uh, what is the evidence scientifically for the this affirmation approach uh, really has, has been drowned out. Uh, but but you know, science is science, and, and truth is truth. And so, uh, what we're now seeing. Uh, is a, a growing concern, uh, really internationally, uh, on uh, the poor basis for this affirmative care model. Unfortunately, uh, that hasn't made its way to the United States, but in several of the European countries that pioneered this this form of intervention are, are recognizing that many of these uh, individuals that are treated with affirmation are not improving, and many of them have been harmed, and they're recognizing uh, the very poor quality of scientific evidence that has been the basis of that form of intervention.
0: When, uh, after the, it was after the, um, Obergefell decision, that uh, the year after, Time magazine ran a cover story, something to this effect, that um, uh, transgenderism, the next great civil rights movement, and uh, again, the impression was given that the science is driving us uh, to accept this idea that uh, gender identity is malleable, uh, that it's um, something that can be changed. Uh, we're also given the impression that that concept of gender itself is fluid. But it, how can that, how can that uh, be consistent with the affirmation that I feel like I'm a girl in a man's body? Um, If it's fluid, then how do you make such a choice?
1: There are so many aspects of, you know, those assertions, you know, as far as uh, when individuals say that science has determined, you know, that sex is no longer uh, male and female as as a binary trait. Uh, flies, uh, in contrast uh, to what we've always understood uh, from the scientific realm, and and really we can look at this, uh, you know, from the standpoint of not even just humans, but across the animal kingdom, that mm-hmm. that uh, sex has uh, everything to do with uh, reproduction. It, there are many different dimensions to that, and and many uh, aspects that relate to the interactions between male and female members of a species. And so, uh, what. It has to be recognized is that these ideologically based assertions really uh, were not made on any science at all. And that has included uh, much has been said in the area of gender identity. And, and uh, that's a starting point for the conversation of those that want to put forward this this novel concept uh, that, uh, that we can determine for ourselves, uh, whether we're a, a man or a woman. Um, and in many Conflicting uh, statements that are made so so when people look at uh the affirmative approach uh one is actually advocating for the most part a binary um uh transition of of male uh appearance to a female appearance or vice versa uh, but there uh, people will make claims about fluidity and uh permanence uh at the same time which are are logically inconsistent
0: <laughs> right yeah yeah. Uh, speaking with Dr. Paul Hruis, uh who's going to be speaking on March 2nd at the annual Familiaris Consortio conference hosted by Father Gabriel Richard High School and Ave Maria Radio. Also with me, Joe Giordano, president of Father Gabriel Richard High. Joe, uh, is this an issue that comes up at, at, in the school, P- parents, kids?
2: Yeah, thanks be to God, uh, it, it doesn't come up too often in the school, but. It is something that I think um, we're all facing more and more in our lives, whether yeah. it's family mems, members or, or friends. Um, I think we're at a point now where everyone is, is maybe one degree, maybe two degrees of separation from yeah. somebody struggling with gender dysphoria. And um, the whole point of this conference is to really equip our community with the truth and also how to respond in charity, right? That's our call as, yeah. as Catholics and as Christians. And, um, you know, I love what Archbishop Carlson said in his Compassion and Challenge Reflections on Gender Ideology that he wrote back in 2020. He said there's, there's three things that will sound familiar when we're discussing this topic, that feelings define our identity um, rather than our body, that human integrity means acting on our persistent desires rather than God's plan for us, and that anyone who doesn't affirm our feelings and actions hates us. And that's, that's, that's the secular media yeah. approach, yeah, right? it is. Um, and so we want to create a, a time and a space where we can come together, hear from really thoughtful, really faithful people who have a lot of experience in this, to hear what the truth is and to hear how we can s- respond to our brothers and sisters who who suffer from gender dysphoria in both truth and charity.
0: Yeah. Now, it, this is a it's vitally important topic, and uh, it is interesting, Dr. Cruz, you point out, that in uh, in European countries like Finland, uh, like um, uh, England, uh, big changes have been made, uh, especially in treating adolescents here. And in some cases, um, I think they might have even stopped in England of permitting uh, surgery uh, on adolescents, uh, again, waiting until there's a greater maturity uh, on the part of the... Um, the client uh, when you speak with your c- colleagues, Dr. Huse, uh is this something I guess for a lot, a lot of people don't know what it's like for uh, a professional like yourself working with other professionals uh, the stories that get written about this are written from a secular perspective, they're often informed by ideology and uh, activist uh, agendas. But when you're working with your colleagues, do you run into any problems like this?
1: Yeah, certainly, uh, I, I encounter many that recognize um, you know, that the science that we're talking about here uh, is, is very weak. Yeah. Uh, but I think we've seen this in many other areas as well, uh, where much of the social discussion and, and uh, you know where culture is at has influenced uh, what people are, are able to talk about okay. um, got
0: take got to take a break right here and good afternoon I'm Al cresta with me dr. Paul Cruz uh, an academic pediatric endocrinologist. Uh, who is going to be joining us for the annual Familiars Consortium conference coming up on March second at Father Gabriel Richard High School, and he'll be taking a look at the scientific uh, data dealing with gender identity and this uh, again issue of um, gender dysphoria and what kind of uh, what the sciences tell us about proper care and treatment. We're also going to be joined by uh, Attorney John Bursch, who will take a look at the church and gender ideology, and uh, Father uh, Sean Kilconnick will be joining us to look at the pastoral dimension of this, as well as the ethical, and we'll have a panel discussion. So make sure you show up with your questions. We're really carving out time for your questions, and again, uh, March 2nd. So give us some of the details for the day, Joe.
2: Yeah, so it'll be in our multipurpose room for those of us who have uh, been with us before. It's as soon as you walk in the main entrance, right there on the right. We'll have people to greet you. We do ask that you register, just help us with the food and, and planning purposes. So if you go to fgrhs for Father Gabriel Richard High School dot org, there'll be a pop up that'll give you an opportunity to register as soon as you log on there. Um, I'm sure Brian could put it in the in the show notes.
0: Yeah, yeah. and we we got we'll have it in the the Crest Guest Archive notes. We'll have it also on the front page of net, So it's in one of the sliders there.
2: Yeah. As you mentioned, the, the event is free. It's open to the public. There'll be plenty of parking. So we'd love to have you.
0: Yeah. Uh, Dr. Cruz, I want to thank you for taking the time to be with us today. I'm looking forward to hearing you uh, coming up on March 2nd. And I greatly appreciate your willingness to be involved. Thank you. My pleasure. And Joe, thank you for taking the time, too, and putting this together.
2: Thanks, Al. We couldn't do this without the support of Ave Maria
0: Radio. Well, thanks. I'm Al Cresta, and uh, turn our attention now. Again, I want to urge you to consider and spread the word on this. Spread the word on this. This is one solid program that we've put together, Saturday, March 2nd, 8.15 to noon at Father Gabriel Richard High School. You can learn more at fgrhs.org, or you can go to net, and we'll have a link there in our slider as well. And... um